Charles and our wor worship team. And I've been looking forward to being with our Norwalk campus for so, so, so many weeks. And uh, we are so proud of the staff here and uh, the, the dream team of volunteers, everybody that continues to serve and give, and, and all of you that, that continue to come each weekend and you're re-engaging and you're, you're here to worship Jesus, you're here to lean into the truth of God's word so we can continue to move forward. That's our mission here, to help people move. And uh, we want to keep moving forward. Uh, you know, one of the things as a pastor, our, our part of our role, really, it's, it's to come alongside people and to, to encourage people. And man, with everything that's going on in our community and in our nation, uh, there have been people that I've come into contact with, conversations that have been had, people that I know that, that have never dealt with any real sense of deep discouragement or, or, or depression at any level, and yet it's been hard really hard on a lot of people in these days. And I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't have my own set of, of worries and fears. You know, how is all this stuff, how's it affecting me, our family? How's it affecting our church, right? It was just a, a couple weeks ago. It had been a, a, a long day, a full day. Honestly, it had been a hard day. Weighty decisions, weighty discussions, some some heavy conversations, some things that were discouraging, things that were, were evoking fear in me, like, how's this all going to work out? How's this going to turn out? And in the midst of that afternoon, I got this text message from somebody that rarely texts me. And so right away, I, I opened it up, and this is what it said. Hey, Todd, hope your day is going well. I have a memory that I want to thank you for, and I hope that you will remember this, or else I may seem crazy. He says, I was thinking the other day about a time in my life when I had made a mess of myself, and I was embarrassed by the choices that I had made. I remember that you and Eric, you humbled yourselves and thought I was worth helping. So both of you came, and you met me after school, and you encouraged me with scripture. It would have been easy to avoid the mess that I was, but you guys did not do that. Thank you for helping me. I still cringe at the thought of the state that I was in at that time. And I realize how kind it was that both of you would come and help. And I wanted you to know how grateful I am. I hope you're having a good day. <laughs> and know that you're appreciated. The power of encouragement. Little did this person know, I mean, a, a conversation, a, an event that occurred years and years before when evidently Eric and I had come alongside and encouraged him. On that day, in that moment, his encouragement to us was really, really significant. It brings us to a, a key passage that we want to think about together today. It's found in Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 25, and here's what it says. Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. That resonates, doesn't it? All of us have been in moments where we've been worried, where we've been filled with fear, where we've been literally weighed down. Sometimes it's almost incapacitating, right? And yet, 
What happens when someone just at the right moment brings an encouragement? It just lifts you. Our bottom line truth this weekend is this, that fear and worry will weigh us down, but encouragement will help us stand and move. And if we're here to help people move one step closer to God and each other, the thing, one of the major things that will keep us from moving forward in faith, in our relationships, in healthy ways, closer to God, closer to each other, will be fear and worry. And that's why we're addressing that whole topic in the midst of this series. So I want us to look this morning at two different stories, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And the context of this first one is Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, Moses is leading the Israelite nation. Uh, he's leading them out of captivity, captivity, out of Egypt, and he's supposed to be leading them into the promised land, this this land of blessing and bounty. And this is Moses' task. But the people of Israel have continued to worship false gods. And, and even when God's done so much for them, they turn away again and again. And God is upset with the Israelite nation. And as a result, now he comes to Moses, his leader of God's people, and he says, instead, that is, instead, Moses, of you leading the people into the promised land, he says, instead, your assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. All of a sudden, Moses has a change of role and responsibility. He moves from leading God's people to now being called by God to be the one that will encourage the other one that will lead God's people into the promised land. And what does God tell him to do? He says, encourage him. Encourage him. For he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. Later in chapter 3, again, God says the same thing to Moses. He says, instead, instead of you leading the people into the promised land, instead, commission Joshua. Call Joshua. And do what? Encourage and strengthen him. You see, I think God knew how desperately Joshua was going to need the encouragement of Moses. Moses was the one that had been there. He had been leading the people. People respected uh, Moses. And yet, at times, they griped and complained to Moses as the leader. And now Joshua is being called by God to lead the people, and God calls Moses to just be the encourager. I wonder, like, what was Moses going to do? How was Moses going to respond? If I'm Moses, I'm, I'm starting to whine, you know, like, well, I thought I was going to get to lead him into the promised land, you know, like, but he doesn't do that. He takes this role with such sincerity and passion. And so let's look at what happens next. We skip forward in the story, Deuteronomy chapter 31. It says, Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all of Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors that he would give them, and you are the one that will divide it among their, them as their grants of land. Moses pulls everybody together, the Israelite nation. Just, hey, this is between two and three million people. Can you imagine the pressure, the weight, 
of this responsibility. And Moses gets them all together, and he pulls Joshua out to the front, and he commissions him. He says, you're the man, Joshua. This is on you now. And so what does he say to them? Be strong and be courageous. Because he knew that Joshua was probably filled with worry. He was probably filled with fears. And then he says these powerful words that, man, we need to take to heart. And that people in our lives, we need to be able to share these very words with them as well. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you, and he will never fail you or abandon you. And Moses comes alongside of Joshua and lifts him with encouragement. I love this encouragement. The first thing that I see happening here is that Moses encourages Joshua to have faith in God, not in himself. This is really significant because our culture says, hey, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Hey, you can do it. But the truth of the matter is sometimes we can't do it. Or at least we don't believe that we can do it. I don't know if Moses believed that Joshua could do it, but what Moses did believe was that God could do it through Joshua. And so Moses encourages Joshua not to have faith in himself. He doesn't say, hey, Joshua, you got this. Just be strong and courageous. You got it. No, instead, he says, God's got it. And that's why you can be encouraged. Look at the verse again. He says, don't be afraid or discouraged for who? For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He, God, will be with you. He, God, will never fail you or abandon you. Moses was pushing Joshua to not depend upon himself, but to depend upon the God that loved him and that would be with him. You know, sometimes, my, my, my son Carter, we go to the skate park sometimes, and uh, I can watch him skateboarding or riding a scooter, and he wants to try a trick, but he's afraid, and that's natural. You don't want to fall. You don't want to wipe out. You don't want to make a fool of, out of yourself. And I can look at him, and I can go, Carter, you've got this. I know you've got this. The problem with that, and as much as I might say it to him, if he doesn't believe it for himself, he's not going to do it. This is why this, this verse is, and this is a game changer. From now on, I need to say, Carter, no, you're right. You can't do that. I wouldn't do that. You're, you're stupid if you're going to do that. You're going to wipe out. You're going to fail. I need to say, Carter, you know what? You can't do this. But I believe that if God's with you, then God can do it through you. This is the kind of encouragement that we are being called to give to other peoples. We're to be the, the Moseses in the Joshua's of our life. Not only that, he encourages Joshua with hope. Not just to believe in God and to to put his faith in God rather than himself. Look at what it says again. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord will. Like this should give you hope, Joshua. The Lord will, will personally go ahead of you. Like God's going ahead. He's got this. And so you can have hope. He says, He will be with you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. You can have hope. You know, when we're facing fears, when your your friends, your neighbors, your family members are worried or anxious or overwhelmed, what do they need? Just a little bit of hope. God's calling us to be the encouragers that will lift them 
that will, that will point them to hope. That's what Moses did. But this isn't just something that God's calling us to do, like, hey, here's a task, now go do this and, you know, be there for that person. I think this is something that God's calling us to live out on a day-to-day basis, to become known as encouragers. And that's what happens in this New Testament story that I want us to look at as we close. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 36, it says, For instance, there was Joseph. Now, who's this Joseph? I mean, this, now this isn't Joseph like Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents. This is a, kind of an unknown Joseph in the midst of the early church. He was a Levite. He was from the uh, city of Cyprus. And nobody really knew no, uh, uh, Joseph. And in, in Acts chapter 4, we, we first kind of learn about him. And it says that he owned a great field and he saw some needs happening in the early church. And he sold the field, and then he took the money that he earned from the field that he sold, and he invested it in a bigger land or a bigger house. No, that's not what he did. It says he brought it and laid that, the resources at the feet of the apostles so that they could use it to care for the poor in the early church. And what astounds me about Joseph is not just the, the, the generosity that he had and, or the amount of money that he donated, but it's how it changed people's view of him. And this wasn't just a one-time occurrence for Joseph. In fact, look at what it goes on to say. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Wouldn't that be a title to chase after? To be known as a Barnabas, to be known as the son of encouragement. Somebody that at just the right time continues to lift people up to be a Moses or to be a Barnabas. And like I said, this was not a one-time occurrence with Barnabas. I mean, they changed his name. They nicknamed him this. And it wasn't like, you know, hey, skinny boy, or hey, you know, hey, chubs, or, you know, I mean, it wasn't some nickname that his friends just gave him. This was significant. It was meaningful. In in Acts chapter 9, we learn about Barnabas encouraging Paul. Now, Paul, he had a name change too. He was formerly known as Saul, a guy that was very religious, but that was against Jesus and this new movement of Christians. In fact, he had had Christians killed. And then he has this encounter with Jesus and it radically changes his life. He realizes he's been going the complete wrong direction, and he starts to immediately want to follow and serve Jesus. And yet, some of the church followers and the apostles of the day, they were a little bit leery of letting Paul become one of them. Like, can we really trust this guy? I mean, we know his record from the past. And so who swoops in at that moment but Barnabas? And the book of Acts says Barnabas, he came alongside Paul and encouraged Paul. And then Barnabas came alongside the apostles and he vouched for Paul. And so that eventually they would accept him as one of the leaders of the early church. And the apostle Paul, he became the apostle to the Gentiles. That's most of us in this room. Like if there weren't a Barnabas, 
there may have never been a Paul, or at least a Paul that had the kind of impact that would plant churches all over, that would spread the gospel, and more and more people would believe until eventually somebody told us. This is the impact that Barnabas had, or in Acts chapter 15, Barnabas encourages John Mark. John Mark was a disciple, and he was on a missionary journey with the Apostle Paul. And it got hard, and he bailed. And, and Paul was angry. Paul was frustrated. Paul was like, this guy, we can't count on him. He's not really one of us. You know what? Have nothing to do with him. Let him go. And he wrote him off. But who swoops in at that moment into, into John Mark's life but Barnabas? And Barnabas continues to track with John Mark and believe in him and encourage him. And eventually, you know what the crazy thing is? Eventually, in some of Paul's later letters, Paul says these words, hey, and send who? John Mark, because he'll be helpful to me. And that might have never been John Mark's story if it wasn't for Barnabas, the encourager. You guys, his encouragement changed the course of people's lives. And here's the truth. So can your encouragement. This is what God's calling us to. This is why this proverb is so, so important for us to grab a hold of worry. Yes, it weighs a person down. But an encouraging word cheers a person up. This past week, um, actually, Pastor Charles and Eric and I, we all got the same text message from a person that attends our Norwalk campus. This is what he said. Hey, I wanted you to know I'm about to mow a lawn that takes an hour. That's what he does for a living. I'm about to mow a lawn that takes an hour. I want to let you guys know that I'm going to use this time to pray for you, for the elders in our church, for everybody involved, for all the decisions that you're making and all that you've had to make during these unusual times that we are living in. Fist bump emoji, heart emoji, praying hands emoji. You know, it is not easy to be living through what we're living through for any of us. It's not easy to lead a church. There's so many divisive issues. There's so many hard things. There's so many strong feelings. There's so many hard decisions that you'll never please everybody with. And in the midst of all that, just one person, a sheep caring for his shepherds, was such a powerful encouragement. You guys, every single one of us, we have that opportunity. Maybe you say, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not very extroverted. I don't know how to say it. I'm not very good at it. Well, well, ask God to, to give you the gift of encouragement. Desire this gift. Just say, God, I want to be a Barnabas for somebody. I want to be a Moses for some Joshua. And then ask God for opportunities. And I'm telling you, if you ask God for opportunities, be ready. Keep our eyes open. Because he'll give us opportunities, even today. And then when he gives the opportunity, follow through. Let's do it. It changed Joshua's life. He became one of the greatest leaders in Israel's history. It changed the Apostle Paul's life. He became the, probably the most influential leader in the early church. 
and you never know what your encouraging word might mean to somebody that desperately needs it. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for encouraging our hearts. Thank you for these incredible examples of encouragement. Help us to not fear. Help us to not be discouraged. Help us to find our encouragement in you. And thank you for the people that you've brought along in our lives at times to, to lift us up. But God, I pray in this time that you would help us to be the ones, that this church, that our chapel family would be the ones that lead the charge of encouragement. Because worry and fear, it will weigh a person down. And there are so many that are weighed down but an encouraging word will lift us up. So help us, give us opportunity, and help us to follow through with your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Hey, our team will dismiss you row by row. Hope you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. We'll see you next time.